Father God, you are beautiful. When we read some of the descriptions of who you are, you are beyond description. We read in Ezekiel or in Revelation, these incredible images of what it is like to be in your presence. Father God, we cannot wait. We thank you for the ways that you have revealed yourself now here by your spirit, God, through your son. Incredible things you show us of who you are in creation and even in ourselves as we are made in your image, God. It is beautiful. And yet even now we only see in a mirror dimly, God, we cannot imagine what it is like to be in your presence, to see you. Father God, we thank you that your grace is real, that your desire to be with us is real. And Father, we want to connect with you. As we dig into your word this morning, God, we pray that you would reveal yourself, that we would see you a little more clearly. We can love you a little more deeply, that we can follow you a little more closely and share you with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sounded amazing in here this morning. It is so good to hear the voices singing so loudly. What a wonderful thing to be able to share this, uh, together. But this morning, we're going to be continuing our journey through the book of John, studying the gospel, the message of the hope of Jesus, His sacrifice for our salvation and the new life that He offers to us. We want to understand it. We want to live it. We want to embrace it and experience it so that we can share it. As we study through the life of Jesus, we see what the gospel truly looks like, what that hope and life that he has for us really looks like. And we've kind of been studying through this book of John, kind of chapter by chapter, which is just so fast. There is so much there. And we are breezing past whole important things. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you again to dig in and look and read these things for yourself. Maybe as we come up to them, you can read in preparation for the chapters that we're going to be looking at. But maybe after we've explored and dug into them together, you can go back and see how God is speaking to you. His Spirit is alive and at work in each of us. And His Word is alive and speaks to each of us. And so I want you to read these things for yourself. See how His Word will transform you if you'll let it. As we dig in with Him, He wants to speak to you. And we need to be listening. But as we continue in our journey this morning, we're coming to the second half of this Gospel of John now. As we said a couple of weeks ago, the book of John is kind of split into two halves. Chapters 1 to 11 are kind of the introduction and exploring the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus, looking at the different things that he did. And again, John did all kinds of really interesting things in the stories that the Spirit inspired him to choose and collect together here. And there's different pieces and connections and patterns that he uses that are really, really fascinating. And then we come to the second half, chapters 12 to 21, which this whole half is focused just on the last week of Jesus' life, what we call Holy Week. John spends fully half of his gospel looking at that 
week, the things that he saw Jesus say and do as he walked from the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where he was treated as a king, to the cross where he died between two criminals. It's a profound thing that John wants us to see and understand here. John's purpose in his writing is not just to convince us that Jesus is the Messiah, but that he is in fact God himself. And here he walks us through the depths to which God is willing to go to save us. It's going to be an incredible journey over the next few weeks. A very difficult journey. And we're, when we look at these things, we're going to see some things in ourselves that we are not going to like. When we look at this story of Holy Week and what Jesus had to do and chose to do for us, it reveals truths and realities about ourselves that are not comfortable. But we have to see them. We have to understand them. Who we are. What we've done. What we deserve. And what He has laid before us. Hope. Forgiveness. New life. Salvation. Mission. Purpose. And glory. As we begin this journey, turn with me actually to John chapter 13. Again, this half begins in John chapter 12, and that's the story of the triumphal entry. And we're going to save that for Palm Sunday a few weeks from now as we walk through that Holy Week. And we're going to see the contrast in the people there and in our own hearts as they went from yelling, Hosanna, to screaming, crucify him just a few days later. So turn with me to John chapter 13 this morning. We're going to read just some of this story together. And again, this whole chapter is amazing and we can't cover everything that's in it. But this first part, we need to prepare ourselves a little bit. It is one of the most powerful and profound things that has ever happened in the history of humanity. Jesus did a lot of incredible things, even raising the dead and these incredible miracles. And every moment, every word mattered. But this story, this moment, it strikes me at least in in a deep way every time I encounter it. And I feel like I don't understand. And I need to. Because it matters. Let's read it together. John chapter 13. We're going to read the first 17 verses here. It says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the evening meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything He might have the supremacy. That is who washed their feet. I don't understand. I don't get it. Because I think if I got it, my life would look different. I think if I truly got it, I would care about different things. We need to understand this moment, what happened here, because there is something so huge going on. God Himself humbling Himself to the deepest servant-hearted position for us. What does that mean? But Jesus has come to Jerusalem once again for the Passover festival. The last time he was here for this festival, he was flipping tables in the courtyard, furious with the way God's people had chosen to treat their father's house. And they asked him, who do you think you are that you can do these things? What sign can you show us to prove your authority? And he looked at them in the eyes and said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they didn't remotely understand what he meant. But now here he is again for the Passover festival, the festival celebrating the lamb whose blood saved God's people from death in Egypt. 
celebrating God's saving hand and mercy towards his people. Furor around Jesus is at its absolute peak right now. In chapter 10, Jesus healed the man born blind. And it ended with a huge battle with the Pharisees, calling him demon-possessed and trying to seize him right then and there. And then he escapes somehow and goes off and he raises Lazarus from the dead, proving again and for all to see his power and authority over life and death itself. And it's the last straw. He is being actively hunted now. John chapter 11, the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so they could arrest him. The end is near. But it's not quite so simple either. The raising of Lazarus has pushed his popularity to an all-time high. And as he rides into Jerusalem on that triumphal entry day, the crowds are praising and worshiping him, waving palm branches and singing. So the Pharisees and leaders, they can't just grab him off the street for fear of the crowds. There'd be a riot. And things were tense enough with the Romans as it was. If they caused a riot, Rome would crack down hard. It's a delicate situation. They have to be careful. And this gives Jesus the chance to come to Jerusalem for the Passover to be the Passover lamb. So Jesus brings his followers here to the city. To the heart of what is happening. And they don't know what is about to happen. And they're probably pretty nervous. you got to think. They probably even think he's absolutely crazy. For walking right into the Pharisees' hands. They're going to go with it. Because they've seen enough. But this is risky. And their lives are at stake here too. They could be arrested and killed for being so close to him. They were troublemakers alongside Jesus. It's tense. The city is absolutely packed for this festival. Upwards of over a million extra people visiting Jerusalem for this Passover festival. The guards and Pharisees are on high alert. Huge crowds in the middle of all this, these crowds and the noise and the pressure and the tension. Jesus leads his followers into the city and they push their way through these masses of people. And some people are probably recognizing him as he goes through and they're calling out to him and they're pressing in around him as they always do. And they continue making their way through and they've got this place that they're going to go stay for the whole festival. And they push their way all the way there and they get inside and they close the door and there's probably people pushing around outside and yelling and screaming trying to get to Jesus. Everywhere he went, people wanted to touch him and be with him and be close to him and hear something from him. And they get inside and they close the door and they manage to sit down. And they're going to have a meal together. And it's finally a little bit quiet. 
and they're having a conversation and maybe some of them don't even know what to say with everything that's going on. And there's more going on than even they realize. Judas has already agreed to betray Jesus and Jesus knows this. Wonder if Jesus makes eye contact with Judas through that meal. Looking at each other across that table. I wonder if they each knew that the other knew what was going on. And so as they're eating, seeing all of this in his mind, Jesus gets up from the meal and he takes off his cloak and he wraps a towel around his waist. And at first the conversation just kind of continues. Jesus is just getting up for a moment, no big deal. But then he takes off his cloak and they start to quiet down. And he wraps a towel around his waist. And it's silent. What is he doing? He walks over to the side and he gets a bowl. He pours some water in it and all they can hear is that water pouring. No one moves. No one says a thing. Their eyes are riveted on him. He picks up that bowl and he walks over to the first disciple. He kneels down on the floor in front of him and Jesus takes his feet in his hands and he starts to wash them. The dust and the dirt, manure and filth walking all day through the streets of Jerusalem with his own hands. The water dripping and splashing in the bowl, oil lamps flickering in the room, casting shadows on the wall and after what seems like an eternity. Jesus dries his feet and then he moves on to the next man. He kneels down and he begins washing his feet too. I would be paralyzed. What is happening right now? If there was a clock in that room, its ticking would be the loudest thing we'd ever heard. This is not fast. There's at least 12 of them there. Seconds tick by. Minutes. One by one, Jesus moves around the room. He comes to Judas. They look right at each other. Jesus washes his feet too, the water dripping in the, in the bowl, the rustle of the towel as he dries his feet. Their master, their Lord, the Messiah, God himself washing their feet. Do we see what's happening here? Do we understand? Can we understand? The significance of what is going on in that room, in that moment. The creator of the universe, the savior of the world, the word performing this lowest and most demeaning task for us. 
Peter, of course, can't handle this. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then Lord, Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. Peter at least gets that there's something huge going on here, but he overcorrects and reveals something profound about our hearts in our relationship with God, the control we try to take in our journey with Him, in our salvation, because we don't want God to do this for us. It's too much. It's too humbling. It's too hard for us to just receive, to sit there, And sit there and sit there and let him do this for us. To just submit. Our pride, our guilt, our shame, our ego. We want to do something. We want to earn something. We want to prove something. We want to tell God how to save us and show him that we're helping Peter tries to be magnanimous. He's trying to be more humble than Jesus. No, you shall never wash my feet. Fine, fine, but my hands and my head as well. I'm so humble, Jesus. See how humble I am. It's so hard to just sit and receive grace. It's always Jesus and for us. Jesus and good church attendance. Jesus and not swearing too much. Jesus and not doing this or that or whatever. Jesus and giving lots. Jesus and sacrificing lots. Jesus and helping everyone. We feel guilty. We feel like we don't deserve His love, like we have to do something and we can't. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't make it okay. We have to just let Him forgive us. Sit there and let Him wash your feet. Let Him make you clean. Let Him forgive you because He does. And we do want to do good things and we do want to do things that honor God and live a life that reflects this transformation that Jesus has brought. But it's all in response to what He has already done for us. We can't do it. We can't earn it. We can't help. We have to just sit and let Him wash our feet. And there's nothing harder in the world for us to do than to let that happen. It's so humbling, so vulnerable, so raw and painful. It goes against everything our hearts desire, the pride and control that we crave. But it's the only way. And it's enough. 
because he is enough. Jesus finishes washing their feet and he puts his cloak back on and he returns to his seat and he says, do you understand what I have done for you? No. I don't know if we can, but he tries to help us. Tries to help us see. You call me teacher and Lord, he says, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That is the invitation. That is the new life that he offers to us. Freed from our pride, freed from our agendas, from our plans and goals, from our mission to build our own kingdom, to build ourselves up, washed clean by the blood shed for us, freed to be completely submitted to Him, born again to show His love to the world around us. What a gift! What an opportunity! What a blessing and all available to us if we will sit. And let him make us clean. It's so easy for me to want to help him. To try to take control. To to convince him that I'm not worthy. Or to tell him how to fix me. It's so hard to just sit and let him speak. To let him work. To let him wash my feet. To receive his grace. To let him love me. I get in the way so often. My hands are just always reaching over his shoulder all the time, trying to help. And he's looking at me, trying to help me see, don't you understand what I'm doing for you? I don't need your help. I need your heart. Let me make you new. amazing. He is amazing. He is enough. His love is enough. His grace is enough. His blood is enough. And we will have to be willing to let him be enough. Because when we do, he will transform us into his image, into his likeness. Our hearts, our minds, our desires will be his. Our mission, our purpose, our life will be His. And we'll be able to live and to love people like He does. To serve them like He does. If He can wash your feet, how far can we go for someone else? In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God gave him the name, the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Jesus humbled himself for us and he invites us to submit to him to receive healing and wholeness, forgiveness and salvation and life beyond anything we can imagine when we let him be enough. And then he begins to show us what it means to love others too. The gospel is salvation and an invitation into a new life that we can't imagine. A life where everything is turned upside down. Where everything we think matters is different. Where what is important is completely opposite to everything we are naturally drawn to. To a life of humility and sacrifice deeper than we can know because it's what he's done for us. Do you want that? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this story. This reality, this truth that Jesus did this for his followers. The example that he has set for us. Father, we cannot imagine what it means that the creator of the universe, the word, who brings us abundant life, would wash their feet. But God, we want to understand. We want to know. We want to submit like Jesus did and embrace that life of humility and sacrifice and service because that's where true life is found. We pray, God, that you would fill us with your love for the people around us that we would see them like you do, that we would love them like you do, that we would desire to serve them, to show them who you are, like Jesus did. We need to be humbled. We thank you that you are gracious, that you are merciful, that you are patient. We pray, God, that you would reveal how deep you desire us to go. In Jesus' name, amen.